Uh, writing center obviously start in the U.S. and then for in the middle in the north of Africa, Middle East, or then in China, then in Europe, then in Japan, in Canada, etc. They start with writing center movements and in Latin America as well. But, and I am talking about our identity, our Latin American identity. We don't have nothing to do with Europe. We don't have nothing to do with China. We don't have nothing to do uh, with Canada. So those writing center movements start a different part, start in the U.S. and then a different part of the world, but in a, in a separate way. What I am trying to propose is a model that integrates those movements each other. So if we if we know what are they doing in Australia, for example, we can take some lessons and then people can learn from us. Welcome to Slow Agency. This podcast offers a space for writing center and writing studies people to slow down, think, dialogue, and reflect on issues affecting their professional lives. I'm Esther Namubiru. I'm Wajali. And I'm Anna Habib. We are honored to steward this podcast. To learn more about Slow Agency, visit Connecting Writing Centers Across Borders, a blog of WLN, a journal of writing center scholarship. Welcome, everybody. We are talking about writing centers in Latin America today. And um, to help us understand the writing center landscape in that region, we've invited uh, Dr. Violeta Molina-Natera, uh, to join us today as our guest. Welcome, Violeta. We are really excited to have you here today and to talk about your research and your work. If you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself to us, um, a little bit about your background and, and scholarship. Hi, Anna. Thank you for this invitation. It's really, really a pleasure for me to talk uh, with you in this podcast. Uh, my name is Violeta Molina Natera. I am from Colombia. Uh, I am Writing Center Director. I am the, the director of the Javeriano Writing Center, which is the first writing center in South America. We are in our, uh, this is uh, the 13th year. We, we started the, the first, uh, as a first writing center here. We know uh, no other writing center directors known by me. So it, it was a big wow. challenge uh, to do that. And um, I, I was off of the writing center because I was a department director. Mm -hmm. Now I am currently a writing center director and I am really happy. Uh, I, I started <laughs> uh, like a, a month ago. I started uh, directing wow. again my writing center. So... I am, hey, I am so happy because <laughs> oh, I, I come back to, to, to my writing center. Um, in my doctoral research, I, in my doctoral uh, dissertation, I, I conducted a research about writing centers, theories, practices, and administration in Latin America. So mm -hmm. I took data from eight different countries. And I tried to have a big panorama to understand uh, what is happening in, in Latin American writing centers 
and and that's what I did in my research. So I, I those are I, I think is is the 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 most interesting thing for me in in my research. What were the eight countries, Violeta, that you studied? I started uh, with uh, Mexico. Well, mm-hmm. I I named Puerto Rico as a country, and but but you know what has happened with Puerto Rico, um, mm-hmm. Dominican Republic, Argentina, Chile, Ecuador, um, Colombia, of course, and I'm missing and Uruguay. Those are the eight countries that at this moment. Uh, where I know that they have uh, writing centers and writing programs. That's really great to know. We would love, we'll talk more about these, uh, your findings throughout the interview, but we do, we do feature um, writing centers around the world on the blog. And so we have been really eager to showcase more writing centers from Latin America, Central and South America. So um, we're eager to learn more about the centers that you examined. That, that's really exciting. Okay, uh, Violeta, it's Weja. Um, and again, thanks for joining us. Some of the things you just mentioned, including your doctoral uh, research on theories, research, and practices in writing cen- centers in Latin America, it's all about writing. And uh, I'm just curious, uh, what's your literacy background? For example, any childhood or memories being a young adult and finding passion related to writing. Could you share us a little bit more about those? Thank you, Weisha. Um Actually, I think I start to read before most of, uh, uh, earlier than other uh, children because mm-hmm. uh, my father at some point was uh, working at home and he used to buy the newspaper every day. And uh, the, the first memory, actually, the first memory that I have is that I was sitting in in his lab and he was reading the newspaper and I was asking about the letter. What, what is that letter? Hmm. What is that letter? And when I when I go to the kindergarten, uh, people say that I that I uh, already know the letters and. I don't know. Also, mm. I love Sesame Street. <laughs> nice <laughs> learn. <laughs> Who <I> doesn't? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, th- th- those are my first memories uh, from everything. And um, uh, of course, I developed a, a taste for for reading everything. Everything that that came to my hand, I I read everything. When I finish my my bachelor, my I think mm-hmm. it's my bachelor, um, I definitely I, I knew that I want to study I want to study something related with language. So mm-hmm. I studied speech and language therapy. Um, right. Um, yes. During my studies, I I took five different uh, courses of linguistics. And I developed uh, the, the interest in, in linguistics. So my master's degree is in linguistics. 
and then my PhD was in education. So I I I left I I left aside the the speech and therapy part, and I was really interested in the language, but the written language and how uh, how the the writing is teached and learned, and mm-hmm. I think that this is why I I'm here. <laughs> Is that what got you interested in writing center work? So it's a funny story because it was that the, there was nothing about writing centers in Colombia when I started. And uh, my boss had, had, at this time, they, they were looking for a person who can develop, a, I don't know, an innovative initiative to uh, to improve uh, the, the teaching of, of writing and reading at the university. So when, when he interviewed me and told me I want to do this, I want to be a person who do this, and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I really want to do that. And, mm. and suddenly they told me that I was selected for that position, uh, a tenor track wow. position. Oh, wow. Um, I knew something because there was an Argentinian, very famous author, Paula Carlino. And Paula mm-hmm. Carlino conducted uh, some research in United States, in Canada and Australia. And mm-hmm. she was the first person who wrote about writing centers in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I heard about writing center because of their, their articles talking about mm-hmm. what are they doing in the United States about teaching of or writing. So mm-hmm. when, when I came to that position, I have some keys, some ideas, but I, I have no experience. At some point, you became the, an, uh, I think it's an associate editor of the um, international series in the WAC Clearinghouse. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that role and the work you've been doing in that area um, and how you came into it? Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, WAC Clearinghouse has an international exchange series. In that series, they try to collect or promote international studies about writing. And for the very first time, they start with a regional series. And the first regional series is Latin America. Mm-hmm. And in that series, uh, we, uh, I don't know if you, if you know, in Latin America, we have two main languages, Spanish and Portuguese. And mm-hmm. we have uh, this section promoting uh, writing studies, publications in Spanish, and Portuguese. So mm-hmm. my role is an editor for books or, or text in Spanish. I was invited to that position. I was really motivated because I do know the work that Wackling House do and the, the very important contribution to the, mm-hmm. to the writing studies in the whole world. So for mm-hmm. me, was a really honor. That is something in at Wackering House. I don't know if you if you know that that everything is uh, by because you like to do that. You you don't receive mm-hmm. any payment. 
you do that with your no time <laughs> and mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it is something that that we do because we believe in that project we believe in the contribution that that open open uh, source uh, for for example for countries like our countries in Latin America where people uh, sometimes they don't they don't have or, or their university have no resources to buy uh, international books and it's open access it's open access yes that that's mm -hmm. that's the part that i love the most because it's open access is for free for everybody and and i think this is something really good mm -hmm. Violeta, it's Esther. So you shared at the beginning that you're the director of the Javeriano Writing Center. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know that you founded the Latin American Network of Writing Centers and Programs. Could you give us a few basics on the writing center landscape, the who, what, when kind of thing? Um, how many writing centers are in South America and how are they situated? Are most of them in... I'm asking so many questions at once, but... Um, <laughs> Are most of them in college settings or high school settings, or are they standalone kind of like community writing centers? Mm -hmm. um, okay. Uh, in Latin America, I think uh, people start to talk about writing center like 10 years ago in, in, a, in a spread way, I think. Um, the the first actually the first writing center in Latin America was in Puerto Rico, uh, but because they have some federal resources and and they develop a, a writing center in nineteen ninety four. The second writing center was in Mexico with with a, a director who born in the U S. And she came to Mexico and she developed a writing center. Um, I think the first writing center, non related at all with the United States, it was uh, mm. the Javeriano Writing Center. Mm. Um, we start 13 years ago, and I think like two or three years ago, people start to uh, develop. Uh, writing initiatives i prefer to to mention as writing initiatives at college uh in latin america uh, most of the writing center are in college uh, i only knew one case in a uh, elite school here in in bogota you know uh is is a school for Children of national presidents or ministers or mm. I don't know students who have to go with bodyguards, um, things like that. It's for very, mm -hmm. very, very for, for the richest people in Colombia. Mm. I heard that they have a writing center, uh, but there, there's no the the case for uh, as I know as I know. Uh, we don't have community college in Latin America. Uh, we we just have a college, um, uh, but we have uh, very deep differences between public colleges and private colleges. And most of writing centers are in private colleges, not in public colleges. 
you know, because in public college administration, um, bureaucracy, always, I don't know, uh, made very difficult to start that kind of projects. So in most cases are in private colleges. You've mentioned a, a couple of things that also piqued my interest. For instance, you've said you prefer the term writing initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a few writing initiatives mm-hmm. to begin before a full-fledged writing center was built. Um, what did these writing initiatives look like? Okay, this, this is a very, a very important difference because uh, when I, uh, actually, uh, the the first conferences of the, the first conference on writing centers was in my college. I invite people because because our fifth birthday, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I I say like okay, there are people who are doing this, and I invented something like the first conferences on writing center in Latin America but you know what people start to to write me telling me that I have this and this uh, is really close but we we don't have we, we, we don't tutoring or something like that you know and oh so the people you invited were saying we want to attend, but we don't really have a writing center. We have something, we have that something looks like close this. to writing center. We have something very uh-huh. close. And I start like, hmm. So the conference will be on writing centers and writing program. And when I conducted my doctoral research, I found that we have a very very tiny uh, line that divide writing centers with writing programs. For example, something, some, uh, I don't know, uh, a typical writing center will be uh, one with, uh, um, for example, uh, they do peer tutoring, but also, I don't know, they, they do workshops at a classroom. They do some, some workshops but also uh the the professors uh of the of the first year classes also tutoring they 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 tutor they are tutors as well but also they do uh the professional development for all the for all the for all the faculty in that college you know and this is a writing center so, what is a writing? So they do the teacher development. <laughs> they do the teacher development in the writing center. Yes. Okay. The, the teacher development for for the part for the specific part of writing and um, reading and writing. Um, I I don't know something even multimodality and things like that. But they include this teacher development too. So this could be a typical writing center. So is a writing center or is a writing program what actually are we you know is there a writing center where students come um to that space or is it more diffuse um there are there are differences uh for example um 
and 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 my research, I I conducted a very huge uh, um, survey, and one of the most frequent cases was when when we start, we don't have any space at all. We do tutoring, I don't know, under a tree or whatever space we have. If we have a classroom empty, an empty classroom, we do tutoring in this empty classroom and things like that. And they have uh, an office and they they went to the library and things like that. And most of them have some kind of space, but not all, not all have have this okay. kind of space for for the tutoring. The the, the space are the the faculty uh, offices. Just to get a a couple more details about your writing center in in particular, I guess, um, but you can speak more broadly too. Are these writing center is tutoring happening in Spanish and Portuguese primarily? Um, is there any English writing instruction? That's one question, but maybe I should back up for a second and, and clarify one thing. What is the role of writing in the university in, let's speak specifically about Colombia at the moment. Is there explicit writing instruction, part, explicit writing courses that students have to mm -hmm. take or is writing just happening across the curriculum? Do they have mm -hmm. to take a first year writing course? Do they have to take a mm -hmm. you know third year writing mm -hmm. course? Most universities have the first year class, uh, first semester actually, not not first years, just one one. Um, I think it's exceptional that they have two two courses. Um, the, in in this year, I think uh, um, we we are working we're in Latin America and working with the with the idea with the theory of academic literacy, and they they are trying to to introduce students to the academic culture to understand to that that first year course is to give them some insights about what does it mean to write in the university and that's uh, in some cases that first year course is articulated with some of the initial uh, classes for example uh, introduction to engineering and they work together in that first year course that does not happen all the time that happened in some cases um, we are working with uh, writing across the curriculum in a different way, I think. Uh, for example, uh, the, the most common cases are when a language uh, faculty worked with a disciplinary um, faculty uh, developing uh, the, the writing guides or the writing activities. And that's how we work with uh, writing across the curriculum, more on one-on-one -on -one basis sometimes, uh, not explicitly a writing across the curriculum program, but as a writing program or writing center who also do that, who also do this one-on-one -on -one work. The, the writing, for example, in Colombia, and I know that in some other countries in Latin America, 
uh, in Colombia, uh, we have uh, this national test that all the students have to present before they leave the, the university. This is a national test for everybody. And this test, uh, actually, they want to know what is happening with the disciplinary knowledge, but also that they call what, what they call generic competences. In generic, they what, what do they say? Second languages, which is English, um, citizen competences. Um, like it's like mathematical reasoning and writing mm -hmm. and critical reading. So okay. writing and critical reading is something that actually indicates the status of one university, you know, because those results uh, uh, position uh, the, that university and the rankings of university consider in these countries consider uh, those results on critical reading and uh, on writing. So this is how important is writing at the universities here. Yeah, that's very interesting, actually. Um, so students who are going through the, the four-year college, well, you only have the four-year model, students in that in college are all preparing essentially from the beginning for this test they're going to take at the end yeah. that is going yeah. to evaluate them on disciplinary content, mathematical reasoning, and then reading and writing. So they yeah. know going in the significant, I mean, yes, it's a test, but, um, but they know that, 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 that is a significant part of their academic literacy from the mm -hmm. beginning. Yes, but I think it's, it's really important for the universities, but for the students, not too much. Okay. It's just a <laughs> test for them. But right. for the university, when, when I talk to other writing centers, director, I told them, use that. This is a big opportunity. Tell them about accreditation and this national test, and you have all the attention because they are really interested in in those national test results. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're listening to the podcast of the blog, Connecting Writing Centers Across Borders. To learn more about our guests, visit wlnjournal.org forward slash blog. And now back to the conversation. So the last thought I had before we move um, more broadly is the language of tutoring. So is that Spanish, Portuguese? It depends, sometimes English, or can you give us that sense? We have this profound difference uh, from, from what I know in the rest of the world. In Latin America, uh, the teaching is in the first language, is in Spanish. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't have... Uh, colleges in English we, we do we do what we do in Spanish and but in Brazil there is something interesting that they have those uh, those budgets uh, by the uh, American Embassy to promote the use of English so writing centers are 
financed by American Embassy. Financed by American Embassy. In some cases, in some cases, you know. And when I when I um, read at the social media, because I I try to to have mm -hmm. information of, of everywhere. I, when I read in those social media, I found, for example, that they promote a lot of of events in the U.S., which is good. But what is happening in Brazil? Why do they don't promote as much events in Brazil that than they promote in U.S.? You know, um, I I started to develop something about uh, the the colonization of the idea of writing center, and um, and I think in in Latin America we have I don't know we have many lessons to to teach about our idea of, of writing center, which is different than some other regions of the world, because tutoring are in Spanish. Um, th those cases, for example, in, 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 the, in the School of Languages in, in Porto, in, in Brazil, but it's funny that Brazil is in Latin America and the second language that they promote is English, but not Spanish. Uh, mm -hmm. you know? so, so tutoring are in those language schools in, in Brazilian universities are in English. When, when, when they do tutoring uh, for promoting a second language is in English, not in Spanish. Um, the the other case is in Puerto Rico because obviously uh, Puerto Rico is a bilingual uh, colony of the U.S. Uh, but uh, I I think that is sometimes, for example, uh, as as I mentioned, that writing center most of them are in private colleges. So mm -hmm. in some cases, for example, uh, a student go to the tutoring, ask for a tutoring because he is working something in English. And if we have a bilingual tutor, the tutoring is about this second language paper. But those okay. are, I think, I think those are como exceptional cases. We do tutoring in Spanish. This is mm -hmm. a huge difference. We tutoring in our language. The, the most common cases, we tutoring in Spanish. In some cases, for example, in Mexico, as I know, in Universidad de Tarapacá, in the north of Chile, they have uh, indigenous communities nearby, and uh, there are there are some students who don't have Spanish as a first language. And tutoring, uh, I think, is very interesting because tutoring is is a hybrid in, in both languages or are in Spanish, but the tutor knows the, the vision, the cosmo, cosmo vision. I don't know if this word exists. The cosmo like vision <laughs> of, of this culture, and they respect that in the, the worldview. Okay. Yes of these mm -hmm. indigenous communities, um, I don't know, at, at some points. And they have, and I think 
this is something that that I don't know in in, in at some point uh, we can do these kind of interchanges uh, comparing what is tutoring what is second language tutoring for example in English but in these cases in Latin America when they are working with indigenous with indigenous students so fascinating and and and, and special to just think about writing centers and writing tutors who are working with indigenous, for example, the example of Chile or Mexico, I guess you mentioned, mm -hmm. working with indigenous cultures. And then the question you just brought up a few minutes ago about the colonization of writing centers. Uh, I really want to follow up on that. Before we do, though, because I do think we're getting there, is... In a recent, in a, well, not that recent, actually, in 2017, you were in, you did an interview with Neil Lerner in Praxis. And in that interview, you mentioned that, you, that the beginning of writing centers in Latin America in some ways mirrored the history of writing centers in the United States, this idea of remedial spaces to support student writers. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit more about the impetus for writing? I know your writing center was the first non-US influenced writing center mm -hmm. um, in Latin America. But tell us a little bit more about that history of the impetus for writing centers and what you meant when you told Neil that you see this parallel. Mm -hmm. Oh, I actually, I wrote an article before that, but in Spanish, it's in mm -hmm. Spanish. And, and in this article, I try to, to parallel uh, the history of writing centers in the U.S., which is fascinating for me, and the, 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 the current movement in Latin America. And was based on, on that, on, on that same, um, approach of as, as a remedial center, as a developmental center for students that came to the university with, with these uh, deficiencies and things like that. And at, at Latin America, at, I, I think this is, this is the, the main discourse, uh, the, the lack discourse, I don't know. If, if this have sense, the lack, uh, the lack of good reading, the lack of skills, the lack okay. of uh, the lack of like discursive skills. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. And uh, and there still there are many people with that uh, approach of the lack. Students don't mm. don't read, don't write, and things like that. Right. And in 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 our case, uh, we we uh, as I mentioned in that article, we we have this evolution of writing center in the U.S. as a model that that they they have this uh, this way worked and and we we can take some lessons of what they do before. And we have uh, many cultural, political, and sociological differences, but mm -hmm. the 
the interest uh, or, or the v or the vision, the conception or writing center, and at the beginning, at writing center are for students with poor skills, with poor writing skills. So this is common, and I know that in in the U.S. Still, people think that uh, writing centers are for students with uh, poor writing skills. So uh, I I mentioned that at at this point we are in in the U.S. at the 17th when when you develop uh, writing across the curriculum when you develop uh, some open access movement uh, mm-hmm. for for the civil rights and things like that. We, we are at this point, at this moment. Oh, we are got at it. this at this point. Like where we were in the 70s is what you're saying. Things like that. Similar. I think it's, it's, it's a similar. It's a similar. For example, uh, one example that, that I can mention in Latin America, countries as Chile, as Colombia, as Mexico, uh, I don't remember, Ecuador maybe, I, I don't remember. Uh, th- those countries, uh, they, they create, um, how do you say, when, when you receive, uh, you don't have to pay your, your college uh, I don't remember oh, the word. Um, uh, they don't have tuition. Yeah, um, tuition. I I don't know the word either. Just when they have free tuition. Yes. You mean? Yes. Uh, it's like, let me let me scholarship. Oh, oh, okay. When they receive scholarships, got it. Okay. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. They 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 have a, a scholarship paid by the government. So the government mm-hmm. made a national huge plan with this scholarship for students uh, that are from the rural areas, from the countries, from the mm-hmm. yeah, and they start to attract students to the big colleges, to the national universities, to the to the biggest colleges. Um, I think. This is what happened with the, for example, with the civil rights movement in the 17th. And mm-hmm. that, that's, that's what I try to, to argue in that, in that article, see. that, that uh, we have in, in some similar points. Uh, I with, see. With access movements. to, access uh-huh. to education became more expanded and government yeah. funded. Um, yes, like for example, is. in the seventies with the GI Bill, with the veterans returning from the Vietnam War, and have yes. for example, they had access to education uh-huh. in ways that they hadn't before. I see yes. what you're saying, and so you're in a not exactly the same, but in a similar moment of of broadening access. Mm-hmm. Exactly. For example, in Colombia, uh, there was. As you as you know, a peace process. Um, mm-hmm. After that, uh, the the guerrilla ex guerrilla members, mm-hmm. uh, some of them received scholarship to study. Mm-hmm. For example, in mm-hmm. my college, 
we have some some ex guerrilla study, for example, and and they uh, as as they are attracting those kind, for example, indigenous students, for example, in Chile or in uh, I don't know in Mexico, I think as well. Uh, as they are attracting, for example, for, from the regions, from the indigenous region, the students to that universities, uh, the government have to, or, or the university, uh, uh, have to think, in, what, are, what, what are we going to do with those students? Because there are many of them. And what mm -hmm. programs are we, are we create to answer to their needs? So... Mm -hmm. That, that I see. And that's point. where the writing center and these writing initiatives become so prevalent. Mm -hmm. Yes. I wanted to clarify something. Earlier in the conversation, you said that writing centers are funded by U.S. embassies. Were you referring to the ones in Brazil or are you mm -hmm. saying just in general across the Latin American landscape? No, it's an exception. This is an exception. And I actually, I think this is just in one university. Okay. It's not common. I want to follow up on um, another note you mentioned. Um, you said that writing centers are in private universities, not public universities. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned in a public university setting, you've got a lot of bureaucratic things that inhibit a writing center from functioning. Um, but what are the institutional demands in a private university in Colombia and how would a writing center negotiate some of those? Mm -hmm. uh, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not easy uh, because uh, as, as I think that, you know, there are many budget cuts and things like that. Uh, when most of the writing centers at private universities are based on language departments, you know, are oh, not okay. based. Yes, most of them are based on a on a language department. So the fundings depend of the language department. For example, in my case, uh, the tutors are paid with this fund of of my department. They were paid, and the only budget was for for the tutors. We don't have a budget, for example, to go to a conference or to for publications of resources or things like that. The only budget was uh, for for the tutors for pay for the payment of the tutors, and um, and though I think this is the case in most of writing center. I think this is a typical case. Um, there are, for example, there are, I know that there are writing centers with no budget at all. So it's, a, it's, it's something that some faculty really want to do because they believe in that. Um, they do tutoring, they direct, and they, I don't know, they do workshops and things like that. And they are struggling asking to the university about we need some budget to, to to the writing center okay you are working with no budget keep on that so wow. 
is is uh, th those that that happen at some point. There are also some writing center of uh, public universities. You know, I think that in that case, uh, is like uh, what I don't remember the author. I she she say that that you need to know the administration language. So in that in that universities, uh, there are somebody who knows somebody, and they they reach uh, the vice president or the dean or things like that, and they have uh, all the the support that they need to start a writing center, and they start they start like that for example and there are there are cases for example i knew very recently that in the biggest national uh, university of mexico which have i don't know a hundred thousand of students is a huge mm. university the unam of mexico mm -hmm. they they have a writing center and uh, they start i think like that uh, somebody knows to somebody, uh, mm -hmm. they reach, they they reach them and they present the proposal of a writing center and they start like that. Mm -hmm. But as the idea of a writing center is not something that everybody knows here, everybody, people don't don't know. Most of the people don't know about what is a writing center. Uh, so when you go uh when you go to to a d when you email to a vice president they have no idea what is it and uh, you have to mention for example those national tests those accreditation process things like mm -hmm. that that i'm going to help you with this national test i'm going to help you with this accreditation process um that's why that that's how they they get the the support the funds right you have to argue for the viability of the writing center um yeah and because it's, it's not it's not something familiar for the stakeholders it's not something that they know you're listening to the podcast of the blog connecting writing centers across borders to learn more about our guests, visit wlnjournal.org forward slash blog. And now back to the conversation. You know, you've talked a lot about uh, different examples of issues that that um, writing centers just globally are grappling with um, and also how we're different. It, it just got me wondering about, you know, some specific examples. Somebody might be listening and saying, well, how is it that different, really? You know, how is the practice of writing center work that different? Uh, yes, language is different when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it. You know, um, are you really doing something slightly different in the day-to-day, -day, the practice of peer tutoring? I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to tell you about Colombia, not, not Latin America. I'm going to tell you in Colombia is absolutely impossible a tutoring session in 30 minutes because we greet each other and what are you doing 
and 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 did you see the soccer game, the weather, and things like that. There is impossible to think in a thirty-minute session. There's no way we can't. I can't imagine a tutoring session in twenty minutes. For example, for me, is what? Okay, show me the text. What are your questions? This is the answer. Bye bye. <laughs> for, right. For us, yes, I see that. Impossible. Yeah, culturally, it's not. Yeah. No, no. For example, when I when I talk about we are we are so close, uh, we we are familiar. For example, we say this moment, the the first I don't know, the first five minutes of the tutoring is just to to break the ice, um, um, to know each other. And for example, in our writing center, we we uh, have two different kind of tutoring: the normal, the regular tutoring, and we we call the process tutoring. And the process tutoring is one in which you go to the writing center every week at the same hour with the same tutor, and you are working during a semester or maybe two. I don't know in improving something using your text for improving, I don't know, spelling or punctuation or, or I don't know, a cohesion, something like that. And, and in that tutoring sessions, they keep the, these, these first five minutes, minutes talking about whatever I, I don't know I, what happened with, with, with your last paper how does it work um, that uh, did the, the professor tell you something about it I, I don't know they are not talking about the today's subject for example this is really important for us this is why uh, the, the camera issue affects our tutors, because they are not seeing each other, um, they are struggling with that. I think in another culture is okay. I just share uh, your screen and share the text, and let's talk about the text and let's talk about the grammar or things like that. That that does not happen for us, for example. It sounds like interpersonal. No, intercultural communication mm-hmm. is is a field that would yes. be speaking to this right now. It's like you mm-hmm. you 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 do have to recognize some of those um, norms, just mm-hmm. just fundamental norms about you know face and being able to set the how you open a conversation. It doesn't look the same in every context in every writing center it doesn't look the same but also in every culture it doesn't look the same and the writing center is not in a vacuum Uh uh-huh yes yes and in the in the u.s uh uh-huh in in the u.s for example is really normal that you do tutoring with uh with uh people from other countries it's an intercultural tutoring as well um in some cases uh, you have to struggle with that, uh, that that differences of culture. If if I can see you directly to the eyes, or if this is aggressive, if I see you directly to the eyes, for example, 
that's not exactly the case with us. The, the, the thing is that we need to, to, to have this, this warm environment for, for the tutoring. It's really about building a relationship, and um, that's what keeps students coming back to the center, not necessarily just for, oh, I have some issues with my writing, uh, and I would like to work on it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's like finding a place where students um, feel like they belong. Yes. In, in most cases, we have these. Most cases, for example, the, the, there is no the case. But, uh, for example, when uh, our, our tutors are undergrads, are undergrads, all of them are undergrads, but they do tutoring for grad students. And mm-hmm. it's not, uh, it's not an, an, an it's, uh, it, I don't know, it, it's not a, a peer relationship because, because uh, they are grad students. But when they receive this this treatment when they receive this feedback in the tutoring session they come back because this is exactly what they need that's right yeah so um violeta in earlier you also talked about the decolonization of writing centers um uh, what tendencies do you see writing centers struggling to remain distinct in Latin America? Be Latin is like be family, you know? We, we are an international, uh, for example, association. We, we, we are uh, an, an, international, uh, an international approach of writing center. And this is something that is similar, that, that we are not following exactly the same model of the U.S. In, entirely in Latin America, I can tell you that we, we have this idea of, of uh, I, I heard that in the U.S., every writing center is different, uh, but uh, our writing centers are different, are more than different, <laughs> you know, because we mm-hmm. we try we we try to combine this approach with this approach we try to answer to our particular needs and realities in our institutions i think and and this idea of we are family we are very familiar and i think during tutorings uh something that that nobody knows is that uh, I went to uh, San Francisco University uh, to to do an, an intensive English class to take that to took a, a class and I okay I'm going to take a tutoring but but I, I really want to know what, what is a tutoring in the U.S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, you wanted to get I the inside uh-huh. yeah yeah inside yeah yeah work. I was. I was like a spy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I and I felt that this is a this is a deep difference. We are so familiar. We are so 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 familiar, and our tutorings are really familiar 
Um, for example, at, the, at, at these times, at these pandemic times that tutoring are virtual, this is something that, that I don't know, that is affecting these familiar uh, characteristics of our tutorings. Because mm -hmm. um, in, in some areas for, for the pandemic, uh, students uh, return to their uh, regions, to their homes. And in some rural areas, there are no good uh, internet connection. So mm -hmm. at least in my university, most of tutoring as, are with the camera turned off, no camera at all, just mm -hmm. the tutor. And of course, if you don't have this one-on-one, uh, this face-to-face -face interaction, this is really hard. This is really mm -hmm. hard to do. And our tutors are creating different approaches to, to get this empathy, to get this uh, knowledge of each other, because this is really important to us for the tutoring, you know, I think right. I think this is this is another difference that I that I felt, and and we we as I as I mentioned in some conferences here in, in Latin America, we are trying to create our Latin American identity of of writing center, for example. Our theoretical foundations are really different, different than the U.S. We don't have rhetoric and composition. Um, for the audience, mm -hmm. I hope that nobody is shaking or or have a, mo <laughs> a bad moment because I am telling you that we don't have rhetoric and composition. But, and I want to say a big but, we have different theoretical uh, foundations. Uh, I mentioned that I took yeah. five semesters of linguistics, for example, in yeah. my undergrad, in my undergrad. So, so we are really strong in linguistics. For example, we, have, we are people, uh, we have people here that are really, uh, really good at systemical Functional, functional, systemic, functional fun linguistics, for example, yeah. in this course analysis, and they took those approach to the to the writing class, and this is something really interesting. That what our uh, theoretical foundation, which are different, different than rhetoric and composition, made us this this theoretical foundation, which are different. Uh, give us a, a, a mixture of insights that, that we came uh, for the for the tutoring foundations for the uh, first year's uh, class uh, foundation things like that. I think that contributes to our unique identity. This concept that I am working on about decolonization of writing center uh i i am trying i am trying to explain the model of of this idea uh writing center obviously start in the u.s and people uh start to talk each other in 
in this university and this other university um, writing center uh, uh, the writing center newsletter start for example and then a national writing center association that then become in an international writing center organization but was based on the US and then for example in the middle in the north of Africa Middle East or then in China then in Europe then in Japan in Canada etc they start with writing center movements and in Latin America as well but they start and, and I am talking about our identity our Latin American identity but we don't have nothing to do with Europe but we don't have nothing to do with China but we don't have nothing to do uh, with Canada for example you mm -hmm. know so in in this idea uh, those writing center movements start a different part start in the US and then a different part of the world but in a in a separate way mm -hmm. what i am trying to propose is a model that integrate those movements each other so if we if we know what are they doing in australia for example we can take some lessons if if we know what are they doing in germany we can we can take some lessons and then people can learn from us mm -hmm. and i propose in the, this expansion of the of those uh, regional movement those expansion in a way that we can interact each other we can for example we can conduct research comparative or knows or we can conduct a research from different parts of the world, um, from we, we can we can share our resource our, our resource results, and in a way that we can learn from each other. Though this is a this is an idea that I took from a Portuguese sociology uh, Boaventura Santos de Sousa, who talk about ecology of knowledge. The mm -hmm. final objective is to to go to this ecology of knowledge an ecology in which the knowledge of germany can interact with the knowledge uh from japan from the knowledge from latin america from the knowledge of brazil and we can we can build this ecology of knowledge on writing center that is beautiful <laughs> I love that. Is that what you're working on? I mean, are you are you act actively working on a, a project or a piece that's making this argument, or is? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I'm trying to. I I'm not sure. I try to to write this in English, but it's really hard. <laughs> Uh -huh. It's really hard because it's an abstraction. It's, it's a it's a theoretical mm -hmm. uh, right. approach, and I'm I really want to to publish this idea of decolonization of writing mm -hmm. center in English. I I yes. really I think I think this would be I hope a contribution to to build this ecology that that I I. I 
you know, when, when I, as I mentioned, I start with, with my writing center and for our, for our five birthday, I invite people to this conference. And my, my research and my, I don't know, I, I am some, I, I am some, I don't know, I am very like, I, I don't want to do the same. For example, published results on my writing center. I always publish about Latin America, about and, and I try to 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 give people the idea if we work together, we can do more. And this idea of decolonization is an idea of let's work together. Let's learn about what are we doing each other and let's cooperate. Um, that that's my that's why I I want to to publish that that in English. Uh send me good energy to do that. we no, I mean this is this is a great moment. We're so excited that you're sharing this with us on the podcast. It does sound so much like um in a lot of ways what you're talking about is a transnational look at writing center theory and practice, which decenters the the US as the main writing center movement or orthodoxy and actually says, wait a minute, there there is so much that is being offered transnationally that, you know, I mean, of course, writing centers, the movement did begin here, but as it has expanded and become localized globally, I mean, what you were just talking about as an example of bringing systemic functional linguistics sort of theory and framework into writing center work and writing program administration. For the United States, where we are grappling with multilingual international how do we best support multilingual international students, for example? Mm -hmm. Rhetoric and composition falls short in some ways mm -hmm. where systemic functional linguistics, for example, would fill that gap. And so yes. there really is a beautiful way in which this transnational collaboration can help us be more effective at what we do um, and mm -hmm. best serve our students and move outside of the 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 colon the colonization of the Western writing center model. Yes. But but I I respect the origin of writing center. I respect I, I always uh, because I, I mentioned I I I'm delighted with the with the history of writing center. This is something that I mentioned in all my articles and things like that. It is not to forget that writing center came from the U.S. is honor that, but is honoring at, 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 in that way that we recognize that what you do is too good, that is transforming mm -hmm. other regions of the world. But when when this tutoring idea, when this writing center movement. Uh, go outside uh, is transformed, is yes. enriched, is enriched. So, so that's that's the idea. Is honored, is honoring what what you do in the U.S. 
I love how you've expressed it that, you know, it's honoring it and then it's recognizing that when it goes outside, it's transformed. I think that's very important because it's very easy to dismiss and be, you know, changing, changing, changing. And then on the other hand, it's very easy to embrace, embrace, embrace and not be, take a moment and critique and say, wait a minute, for our context, does that work? So there's a middle ground there, a transformative ground there. Before we wrap up with our two closing questions, is there anything else we haven't quite touched on that you've been thinking about mm. from your work maybe, your scholarship? Uh, maybe, maybe this this idea of of uh, social justice movement that that in the in the last years in in the US is something that i think every year is a biggest movement uh in latin america we don't have uh exactly this this social justice movement because all the time we are struggling with the injustice, with social problems, uh, I from from always we are we are struggling with that. So social justice is something that we always are working on. Uh, the work that we do in writing centers and in in writing uh, classes is a work of social justice itself and we 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 don't we don't we are not working is as explicit uh, as in the US but our work is based on the idea of democratization of knowledge in mm-hmm. in how we can how we can contribute to the to the democracies in our countries this is yeah. what we do all the time this is what we do all the time and i'm going to give you an example i don't know if you heard what happened in my country a few months ago a few months ago in colombia there were a, a national strike strike and the the all the country was paralyzed by protest mm-hmm. and people protesting yeah. and especially especially students especially young people protesting against uh this government uh protesting about uh against the the corruption corruption uh, uh-huh uh-huh and against uh, the 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 social gap, this this idea that a few rich people have all the money, and, and yeah. most of the people have nothing or or a little. Um, in in our classes, in our writing classes, uh, we we have to switch what what we have prepared to our classes and our classes and and i i can tell you in all the countries 
in other countries, no Colombian uh, writing classes, people have to switch at the end of the semester and let's reflect, let's take our class to reflect by writing, reflecting about what is happening. And this is how we contribute to, to, the, to, the, to the democracy in, in our yeah. country. This is what we do normally. So, so uh, when you, when yeah. you, for example, uh, if you ask me about, are you, do you have a social movement? We have it all the time. This is what we do. This is yes. what we do. That really resonates with me very much. I'm from Lebanon. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're following the news, the situation there is absolutely devastating. And it's very similar to, I've been thinking a lot about what you just said in the context of, of my home country. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for sharing that. I, I, it's an idea that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of writing center and writing program administrations um, in, in countries uh, of crisis in countries that are consistently in crisis mode. What, what is that? And how are our identities different? Mm -hmm. than, um, and how we anyway. can contribute. Right. Because we are operating in crisis mode at all times, um, socially and institutionally because of the social unrest. So it's an interesting contribution. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, do you have a research question, a research project that you're currently working on that um, is occupying your mind right now? Or are you too busy <laughs> with other things? I, I mentioned that my last years was in an administrative, administrative position. And I mm -hmm. come back to the writing center one month ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So yes. you've been very busy. <laughs> yes, but but I'm trying. I I keep this idea of regional research. I I mm -hmm. keep this idea, and I and I'm trying to introduce the idea of research at the writing center. You know, this is something that. For tutors, uh, they they don't consider uh, do research at the writing center. Mm. The the research are conducted by directors or things like that, uh, or professors. But uh, tutors, undergrad tutors, uh, conducting research is not common. Is not common mm -hmm. here. I try to to introduce this idea of of motivate uh, our tutors to to conduct some research and, mm -hmm. and I am very inspired I always forget the, the the names for I don't remember the name but it was it was the it was the winner of the book of the year and I can't remember the name it it was a book uh, that that bring us this idea of how you can do research. For example, the the 
the one the the day the, the daily work of writing center how can you do research with that for example mm. you can you can uh, take the documents of the writing center and conduct a discourse analysis with the documents mm -hmm. you can you can uh, record uh, a tutoring session and do uh, i don't know in, in a, another approach of research and i'm trying mm -hmm. to to introduce this idea that on the with the daily work that we do at the writing center we can do research and as in latin america there are few mm -hmm. publications because we are we are studying this mm -hmm. this uh, publication i always try to motivate to other writing center directors do research publish mm -hmm. your research because people need to know what are we doing and mm -hmm. i try to 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 have more of of those kind of research mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so important. what you just said about encouraging other directors to publish uh that actually um, it's similar to what Rose Richards said in our interview with her. She was also saying that because more people started pub publishing about writing centers, um, there is a greater awareness of what writing centers are about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in South Africa. In South Africa. Her, she was from South Africa, yeah. Um, then, yes, it's really it's, it's a need. Then mm -hmm. um, our final question is, um, what is the book that you're currently reading? Uh, it doesn't have to be about research. It could be, you know, for fun. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's for fun. Uh -huh. It's for fun. And I, and I have <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crystals it's about crystals oh cool <laughs> i love it i'm wearing a rose quartz ring today because it's healing my my, my face <laughs> is red <laughs> i i wear some crystals and i yeah like me it. too <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's the book that i have right now sorry it's not academic that's no, we actually, everybody um, usually shares something really fun at the end, some <laughs> novel or something very yeah. funny or random. We do it's have great. interests outside of the writing center. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, um, Violetta, thank you so much for this really, really great conversation and for taking, I know we, we took a little extra time here, but we really appreciate all the time you took. That's it for today's episode. Thanks to our guest for the insightful discussion. We would also like to thank our listeners and blog subscribers for supporting us. And a special thanks to Emmanuel Mubiru, who provided our theme song. For notes and resources mentioned today, visit the Connecting Writing Centers Across Borders blog at wlnjournal.org forward slash blog. 